Welcome to the As We Are Going podcast, where we explore faith, God, scripture, and everything in between when it comes to this messy life. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the power of words. Can our words really build people up, or can they really just bring people down? Don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss any of the content. And now for today's episode. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the experiment. Um, My name is Will DelVal, and I'm hosting this podcast. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, like, who is Will? Why am I watching this? Why am I listening to this? You might, I mean, the only person that who I know is guaranteed to watch and listen to this is my wife. So, hey, Sharon, how's it going? Um, but yeah, maybe you know me, maybe you don't, and you're asking this question like, hey, who is this Will guy? That's a question that I've been asking myself every day for years now. Who am I? Um, and maybe that's kind of what we'll be exploring on this podcast and the different episodes we'll do if, they're, if we ever get past this first episode. Uh, but things you should know is I'm a husband and, you know, I've been married for four years now and... It's been an amazing experience. I'm also a dad. I have a one-year-old. He's a, he's 19 months. And I'm also a pastor. I'm a associate pastor at this small church in New Jersey. Uh, I primarily focus on worship music and the youth ministry, um, but I wear a lot of hats. And I've been a follower of Jesus, I'll say, for a long time, you know, relatively. Um, I've been following Jesus since... 2006 um, I was an eighth grader and I you know I gave my life to the Lord and we'll explain what that even looks like I'm sure in later discussions um, but yeah I've been working in ministry since 2010 and uh, it's been a crazy ride um, a lot of you know hills and valleys when it comes to being in ministry and dealing with people um, but yeah I, I primarily focus in worship and youth but I have like a real big focus in youth ministry so dealing anywhere with teenagers from sixth grade to 12th grade a little bit in that young adult age range and just a lot of parents um, I started in a church that was right outside Atlantic City New Jersey so a little bit more urban ministry and now I'm like 20 minutes outside of Philly on the Jersey side and a little bit more like suburbia, you know, a little bit more. There's a little rural, but um, definitely a little bit more affluent than my my last um, ministry job. And I think since then, since I've been following Jesus, even when I initially started following Jesus, um, I've been just on the search for something authentic, something real, some real meaningful connection is the stuff I read in scripture, like, you know, reading God's word actually played out in this thing we call church and how can you be a follower of Jesus in modern day America and how do you just deal with the culture and yeah, I think I just been, I've been just searching. I've been searching for a long time um, for that authentic that I read in scripture Um, and I've been also just thinking for a long time that I wanted to kind of put some content out there put some maybe like a podcast out there to kind of 
welcome others on the journey. Um, I don't think we're meant to read scripture alone. I don't think we're meant to unpack it alone. I don't think we're supposed to do this following Jesus thing on our own. Um, but a lot of us can fall into that trap and tend to do that. So I've been thinking about like for like years now, hey, I, I wish I could like just talk to everybody and it's impossible. I'm one guy living in New Jersey. I can't talk to everybody. And, you know, I want to get a little outside of my, you know, echo chamber of a worldview and talk to other people about their experiences and talk to other people about how they see and approach scripture and and how are we supposed to navigate this thing together um so that's what this i don't know that my echo just went off for some reason ignore that don't know why um obviously yeah there's no frills to this video or if you're listening to there's no frills to this audio it is just you know, me with a camera and a microphone I bought last night. Because um, like I said, this is an experiment. We're just experimenting with what would it be like to just put some content out there, put some words out there into the world and talk about who Jesus is and how he relates to us today in 2023. Um, so yeah, this is an experiment. Welcome. I'm excited you're here, excited you're watching or listening. Um, even, you know, what kind of sparked this idea of doing a podcast. Like I said, I've been talking about that for a long time. But um, I've been thinking a lot about words lately. Um, thinking a lot about just, we put a lot of content out there. I mean, from watching Instagram reels to TikTok to YouTube videos to now shorts and, you know, movies and talk shows. I mean, we as um, humans just, we, we talk a lot. We, we have a lot of things to say. And uh, this past few weeks, I've just been thinking a lot about the words we use. I mean, I can get lost in the social media trap of just like scrolling Instagram or Facebook, especially the reels. I can scroll it for five minutes and then when I look at my watch, Five minutes was not the real time frame. It was actually more like two hours. Or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll grab my phone to check the time and then all of a sudden there I am on TikTok or Instagram just scrolling reels. So I've been thinking about like, hey, we, we say a lot and we communicate in a lot of different ways in, in this day and age. Um, is anything we, we are saying even important? Or, and, and how does that fit? And how does scripture or how does God... And our faith, whether we have a faith or don't have faith, play into the words we say and the things we care about and the things that we, you know, run towards or the things maybe we even shy away from. So that's where, like, with this podcast, I, I just want to kind of look at Scripture with fresh eyes, invite you to do that with me. There's going to be a lot of different biblical topics, I think. Um, you know, I'm a pastor for a living, so... I want to explore scripture. I want to explore biblical topics. I want to explore questions people may have. But I've really been focusing on words. And right, a podcast is all about words. And it says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. And I don't really, when you, when you look, when you read that, it, it sounds cool. It sounds catchy. Yeah, you can agree with it. But if you really kind of just looked at it, like, wait a minute, death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? Those are two 
opposite things. One is destruction and sadness, and one is celebratory and life-giving. It's death and life. So when you kind of just back up for a second, like, whoa, you're saying that right now words have a certain amount of power that it can bring death or it can bring life. It can spark destruction or it can spark, you know, celebration and newness and just this idea of building others up. There's a lot of power in words, and I think today, maybe always, we have lost or never realized how much power there is with our words. We, we say a lot, but if we had to categorize the things we're saying, are we speaking more death into the world or more life into the world? And I like this picture that it's talking about that death and life are in the power of the tongue and talking about how there's power in the tongue. You know, when you first approach the Bible, when you first approach it, and, you know, we're talking a lot about words, and the Bible is referred to as the word of God. Um, you don't get more powerful than that. And however you may interpret the creation story or the creation narrative, whether it was, you know, six days and God rested literally, or is that more symbolism? When you look at scripture, it says in chapter one of the book of Genesis, right? The very first page of your Bibles, it talks about how God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, not separate the waters from the day. And then God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be waters. God said, let there be earth. It seems like whatever, the how you view the creation narrative, the point is, is that one, there is a creator, right? The whole Genesis narrative is to point to, hey, we are created beings and there is a creator. But I love how they choose to say how God created Whatever it looked like, I wasn't there. It says that God spoke the world into existence. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be sky and separate the expanses. God said, let us make man in our own image. However you view that story, the way scripture wanted to portray itself was God spoke the world into existence. He used words. I think it's in Hebrews 11 it says that God spoke, yeah, spoke the, wor the world into existence. And if we were created in the image of God, that's like Genesis 1, 26, if we were really created in the image of God, do you think that some of that power is in our words? Because when you think about that, how we use our words, if there's really power in it, is it going to be like, hey, I want a brand new car, and then a car appears, or I'm going to manifest some good grades, or I'm going to just speak into existence how work's going to be and just have positive words of affirmation. I don't think that's the power that it works, or, you know, um, my dishwasher wouldn't be broken right now. I would just say, hey, dishwasher be fixed. I don't think it's that kind of power. But when you go back to that Proverbs 18 verse where it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and you look at the narrative of scripture and all the different things, there is power in the tongue. There is power in the words we use. And the words we use really can bring death or life to ourselves or the people around us. I mean, I bet right now if you could think back to when you were a kid, maybe you're a teenager now and you're listening to this, but if you could think back, I bet you can remember when someone said something negative to you, that, 
You know, I'm 30 year, 30 years old now. Actually, I'm 31. Time goes by fast. I'm 31 years old, and I can still remember in eighth grade, I'm walking down the hallway, and I would sing a lot. I would sing a lot of songs. I, I you know, um, I always loved singing random songs. And I was a pretty outgoing, you know, teenager, and I would kind of just walk down the hallway, just belting out songs, and you know, um, in the middle of the night. I've been walking in my sleep. I just would, I would just shout these songs, and um, down the hallway and be super distracting. And I remember going one day into my science class, and this one kid, and I won't, I won't say his name, but this one kid, you know, hears me singing as I walk in. He goes, "Can you just shut up?" Well, this is why no one likes you. And I laughed it off. I really didn't care, but so I thought. But I'm 30 years old, 31 years old now, and I still remember that kid. I remember his his name. I remember, you know, walking into that classroom and him just saying, "Can you just just shut up? This is why no one likes you. You're you're annoying." And sometimes I still think about that. Man, am I am I just annoying? Um, probably. Um, but I remember that. I can remember the negative things that people have said to me over the years. And I'm 31. That was when I was in probably eighth grade. That was years ago, over a decade ago. And I still remember the negative comment. That spoke some kind of death into my life. It brought a lot of insecurities. But also, I can remember some of the most meaningful things that people have said to me. I can remember, you know, did you ever get a text message from someone and they're telling you how much you mean to them. Those are the kind of text messages you save. Um, I still have, you know, text messages saved from my wife from when we were first dating. Um, I just saved the ones that were special to me, where she was telling me how she loved me or, or what she thought about me. I remember things my dad said growing up, you know, just how he's proud of me and, and how uh, he cares about me and that he's always going to be there for me. So, that spoke life into my life and it built me up and encouraged me and I can kind of recall those moments when so-and-so said that positive thing and it just made me feel so good. So yeah, when you think about it, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words we use really are important and really have an effect on the world around us and the world and impact our own selves because I'd argue that yes, there's power in the tongue with death and life and we're speaking outwardly towards people but what about the words we say to ourselves i can't be the only person who talks to themselves whether it's looking at myself in the mirror or driving in the car and when i look at myself in the mirror you know i can get into that moment going like man i, I really just gotta lose weight or oh i wish i didn't look like that or you just put yourself down or when you're driving in the car after maybe a work thing or maybe some social gathering and, and you're you're getting in the car and you're just like, oh, why am I so stupid? Or or when you, maybe you mess up, you're like, why do I just suck so much? Or why do I fail at everything? That inner dialogue, the words we say to ourselves also have power and they speak life and death. And our kids or our, our family members or you know the people around us, they hear those words and they hear how we talk about ourselves. And yeah, that can bring death or life. It teaches them a pattern. You know, if I sat down and thought, do I speak more death into my life or life into my life? Sometimes I definitely can lean more negative. And if words really do have power, 
How is that affecting me? You know, in, in James chapter 3, now let's see if I can find it in my Bible here. In James chapter 3, he, and this is the half-brother of Jesus, he has a lot to say about the tongue. He has a lot to say about words and how we use them. And in chapter 3, and we'll talk about this probably in another episode, um, but he, he says this in verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers... These things not be so. Does a um, uh, I'm sorry. Let me start that over. James chapter three verse ten. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt a salt pond yield fresh water. And I'm thinking about like, what does that mean? And this Sunday, this past Sunday, I was actually talking about the same thing, the power of words at youth group. And um, we, we had one of the students come up and we blindfolded him. And I said, hey, uh, I want you to do this. I want you to drink something for me. And I handed him a bottle of water. And he drank it, and I said, okay, can you describe it for us? And he describes it, yeah, it just tastes like water. And I'm like, hey, was it refreshing? And he goes, I guess. Um, I was like, if you were on a run, would you have, be craving this? He goes, yeah, I think so. You know, no one, I mean, water is kind of tasteless, but it's, it's refreshing. You you want it on a hot summer's day. You know, you, you want it with a meal. Um, yeah, it just brings, like, refreshment. And then I gave him this other bottle and he's still blindfolded. I said, now drink this one. And it was just full of salt water. Uh, what was funny about this moment was I really wanted the point to get across. So I wanted to make it extra salty. So um, when I looked it up online, like, you know, how much salt should I put in water for this this illustration? It's like a, a teaspoon or so. Um, I put in an entire bottle. Um, I really wanted it to be salty. So I shook it up and I gave it to him and he drank it. And instantly after just a sip, he spits it out and goes, oh, this tastes terrible it's so salty it's this tastes awful um and i was like would you want that and he goes no who would want that it's just, and i was like it's bitter right and he goes yeah it's just so bitter and that's what james is saying in this chapter that blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth but that shouldn't be. We shouldn't be people who speak life and also speak death. We shouldn't be people who like be people who bless the Lord and try and bless others while cursing others and, and cursing even ourselves, whether that's with profanity or even just how we talk about ourselves. And, and that's where I'm like, okay, when I use my words, is, are my words refreshing, like like water, like fresh water, or are they bitter? like salt water, like the ocean. And it's just like, man, it brings no joy, no refreshment. And that's what people are hearing come out of my mouth. You know, Jesus talks about this same principle in the, the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. He's talking to the kind of these Pharisees and these Sadducees, the people of the day. And he, he shouts, this in verse 34. You brood of vipers, 
How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account of every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Think about what he's saying there, and even the manner he's saying it. He's looking at these religious leaders who are who are blessing people but also cursing people. They're 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 tricking people. They're they're acting one way and their words don't match their actions. And and it's just a crazy group of people. And they're always coming at Jesus. And he says, "Hey, you hypocrites! You brood of vipers! What you're saying is not matching what you're doing. And actually, what you're saying shows your heart. The outward appearance. Yeah, you might be a religious leader. Yeah, you might be running the temple." But what you're saying is actually revealing your heart. And I think about that for myself. Yeah, we can be a quote-unquote good person. We could do the church thing. We can go to the PTA meetings. We can, we can you know, dress in like great clothes and fine suits. We can have the great job. We can attend church. We can attend youth group. We can volunteer for the homeless. But when we speak, the words we say that shows our true heart motive. That shows what we're thinking on the inside and how we actually feel. So then he goes on, right? And he says that on the day of judgment, whoa, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. And I'm just thinking about that this week. God, I've used a lot of careless words in my life. I, I sometimes don't think before I speak. And if our words really have the power to bring death or life to those around us and even ourselves, yeah, it would make sense that we're going to have to give an account for every, every careless word we say. And when you look at Jesus and his life, he seems like he never used a careless word. Even in this situation, yeah, he's calling the Pharisees a brood of vipers, but he's doing it. Because he saw hypocrisy and an injustice. But then in other chapters, like when the adulterous woman falls at his feet, he looks at her and he doesn't ream her out. He doesn't yell at her. He says, hey, does anyone condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. He still told truth, riddled and just oozing with compassion for this woman but yeah, he, he had compassion in his voice. He had a, a different tonality. There was a part where he used harsh words with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, but he used compassion with the woman who was caught in adultery because he knew how to use his word. Neither of them are careless and he used them in the appropriate things. But sometimes we come out of the gate, depending on the situation, and we just come out hot and we're like, man, and we're just reaming people out over just really insignificant stuff. Or the flip side, there is really important things that we should be talking about and we shy away from that. But we have to give an account for every careless word we say. So as a church, as the church, how do we use our words? Are we using them to build others up, to build each other up, to build ourselves up? Or are we just tearing people down, bringing death? Are we salt water to people? It says something in Romans. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, it talks about like this list, right? And it says uh, how 
these people kind of give up the truth of God for a lie. And in verse 28, it says, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought, what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They, Though they know God's righteousness and his decrees, though that they don't practice such things and deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And all, and all that to say is that the gossips are on the same list as a God-hater. Gossips are on the same list as murderers. Why would God equate the two? Because there's power in the tongue. And come on, how many of us get trapped in that gossip trap where we're just talking to people and we're maybe divulging a little bit too information, telling other people, someone else's story when we should not be. That's using our words carelessly. When we don't speak up for injustice, that's using our words carelessly. When we're judgmental with our words and condemning, that's using our words carelessly. So for this podcast or you know this experiment, I don't want to be someone who uses his words carelessly. I really want to think like, God, how do I portray your truths to, to like a dying world and show the hope that we can have in you? How do I use my words carefully rather than carelessly? When Jesus dies and then resurrects, he tells his disciples to go meet him on the mountain and they, and they knew which one it would be. And I always just picture that, like these disciples thought he was dead they thought, oh man, there's our savior, the one we've been following for years, he dies. And then they find out he came back to life. And not in this ethereal, figurative, symbolic, that Jesus really came back in a living body and was living with them in the flesh. Like he was very much alive, not resuscitated, but resurrected. And you, when, when you get them, they approach the mountain and they approach the sea and you can just picture it. Just imagine seeing him. And if you knew someone who died and then all of a sudden they came back to life and they're about to open their mouth and speak, they're about to say something. You start to think like, what are they going to say? This must be the most important thing they're ever going to say. And it says this in Matthew 28, verse 18, uh, verse 16. It's actually known as the Great Commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted which is really cool if you think about it, that they still worshiped even in their doubt. But that's not the point today. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, and here it is, the most important thing he's going to say right after he resurrected, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He uses his words to say, hey, I'm always going to be with you. But he also gives them this mission and says, go therefore and make disciples of everyone. Teach them to obey my commands and decrees and everything that I've taught you. That word go. When you, when you look at the original language, it's as you're going. As we're going, when we're at work or at school, with our families, at the bar, uh, at the PTA meeting, 
we're going forth into the world and we can bring the teachings of Jesus and make disciples of everyone as we're going. And a big part of that is how we use our words. The reason we I'm kind of titling this podcast as we go is I want to do this together in community and look at the Bible, look at the word of God and just try and figure out, hey, as we're going and as we're making disciples, let's unpack what we're experiencing. Let's unpack the messiness of life together. Yes, I'm the one with the microphone, but I want to engage in a conversation, a discussion on, hey, this is how we're doing faith. And this is what scripture, this is what God wants of us. These are his commands and his decrees. This is the way we want to walk and this is the way we want to go. And this is maybe the way we don't want to go or walk. We want to follow after Jesus. So as we are going, may we tell others about who Jesus is and bring hope to a dying world. Let's bring life with the power of the tongue to those who are speaking death. May we be a people who give fresh water to those in need, not salt water bitterness. Today, will you look at, take inventory of your words. I'm taking inventory of my words. Are we those who speak life or we speak death? I want to be someone who speaks life. Until next time. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to like and subscribe and see you next time.